Get ready for Ready Radio with Doug and Aaron. It's emergency preparedness for everyone. Brought to you by True Prep. For all your prepping needs, visit True Prep online at truprep.com or visit a True Prep store in Roswell or Marietta. Listen in as Doug and Aaron provide helpful tips on how to get ready. Ready or not, here comes Ready Radio. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to Ready Radio. This week, Aaron and I are going to be talking about Earth. And in part of our continuing series on, on the elements of prepping, we've covered water, we've covered fire, and this, this week we're covering Earth. And the Earth well, why is... Why not a, Neptune, Doug, or Pluto, or Mars? Just Earth? Just Earth. Yeah, just Earth today. Um, the the idea here is that in next 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 segment, next time we do one of these elemental shows, we'll cover wind just to, to break out the fourth and final the elements of prepping. I better bring my fan. There you go, or or um, wind generating turbine. When I lived up in Dillingham, we had a, one of those turbines outside the courthouse, mm-hmm. and every time it was a really windy day, it would disconnect itself because otherwise it would burn out the motor, and it would just spin wildly because of the high winds. And we had winds. I mean, we're talking we would have 80, 90-mile-an-hour gusts and 60-mile-an-hour sustained, right? So when it was windy, it was windy, and that thing would be going just as fast as it could because it had disconnected itself from the turbine, and you'd be like leaning forward to walk over to the courthouse, and I always chided the the um clerk of court who's was responsible for the courthouse and its grounds and i said you know if you just turn the stupid fan off we wouldn't be so windy here tell you what, that is a powerful fan if it's providing all the wind in alaska yeah pretty much but you know it's it's an important aspect I, we we talk about all of the different elements and and when we talked about water we talked about purification when i talked about fire we talked about safety and today we're going to talk about earth and earth is you know one of the four elements and the idea is is that we're going to talk about gardening and canning and what the point of having a garden and farming is and then you know towards the end i'll i'll go off on a rant about thomas jefferson and being close to the earth i'm sure but until we get there i think one of the the more important aspects is to talk about what a garden is uh, you know particularly in our area here in our broadcast region of north georgia and you know what a garden does for you in in the long term well we know i've only lived here a few weeks right i mean i haven't been in the uh north georgia area very long at all my my sister has lived here quite a while but but not me and i was very disappointed to find out that rhubarb does not grow here yeah rhubarb doesn't it's not a georgia crop and it it really depressed me to learn that when i moved down from minnesota because to me rhubarb growing in the backyard is a sign that this is a home looks like you're gonna have to plant something else yeah i don't know what to put here though i mean there nothing quite has the 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 effect of rhubarb i mean what do you use rhubarb for Pie. Yep. What, what else do you use rhubarb jam. for? Rhubarb jam. Strawberry rhubarb jam. Oh, I just like strawberry rhubarb pie. You can you can keep the jam. I'll you can take have the, all the jam. I'll take the jam. I'll take it into a corner, a little bowl, uh, a, a jar, mason jar of it. Give him a spoon. A spoon. And I just, just knew yep. it. Uh-huh. That's my idea. You are the jam eater. <laughs> I love jam. I love honey. I love sweets, but I don't like things like you know. I don't like confections so much. I like. Preserves. I think that they're just very interesting to have whole pieces of fruit that's in that kind of a super sweet jelly. And I, I love a good preserve. So, who doesn't love a good preserve? You know, preserves when you make them after they've set in the um, cabinets for a little while. 
homemade preserves get a mold on top of it that you have to scrape off. Really? Yeah. You don't want to eat it. I mean, it wouldn't hurt you, I don't guess. It's, it's kind of like penicillin, I would say. But it's it's a jelly mold. And, you know, the first time I ever opened a, a jar of jelly, I remember when I was a kid, my, my dad had made all this wonderful grape jelly. He makes wonderful jelly every year. My father's a very, very good cook. Um I opened it, and there's mold, and I threw the whole jar away. Well, I started to throw the whole jar away. I walked towards the trash can, and my dad's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? So I throw it away, the moldy jelly. And he's like, no, all jelly is a little moldy. It's not like that when you get it from the store because of all the preservatives that are added. Mm. But it's still safe to eat it. So what you do is scoop off that little bit of mold off the top, toss it in the waste basket, and you've got a whole jar of still good jelly. And it was. It didn't make me sick or... I didn't get the Montezuma's revenge for it from it. None of that. So it well, was safe jelly. You know, the, because jelly has so much sugar in it, it, it's hard for it to have anything, you know, grow inside the jelly itself. But on the surface, you know, it, it feeds on it mm-hmm. when it has the the oxygen. Like so. a Petri dish. Right. So what are the benefits of, of having a garden? We were going to talk about gardening, right? Mm-hmm. What are the benefits of having a garden here? I love- Healthier deer. Healthier deer. You're right about that, man. They'll eat your green beans, and there's ways to keep them out of your gardens. My dad used to do the old pie pan thing, where you take string and you punch holes in pie pans, you know, the old aluminum pie pans, Mm -hmm. and you hang them up, and the reflections are supposed to scare the deer, but eh, does it really work? You kind of, kind of not. They get used to it. They get to where they're not afraid. The deer are really smart. So how do you keep them out of your garden? If I only had a brain. I think it would be wonderful to put up an electric fence. That sounds like good tums. <laughs> what do you well, get? Big ripe tomatoes and fried deer at the same time. Nobody can beat some fried venison. I, I guess that's better than my idea of a scarecrow. But, a okay. scarecrow? Mm-hmm. A scarecrow scares nothing. Everybody laughs at it. The deer's like, ha-ha, it doesn't smell like a human at all. We could fix that. So the deer are afraid of the human smell. We know all these deer hunters, right? And they Mm -hmm. go, what do they do before they go hunting? Descent. They descent themselves, which means they don't put on any deodorant. They don't take a bath. They smell stinky. (laughs) That's because the deer don't like those smells, like the, the Irish spring soap. Or the zest. So you can actually take that zest in a cheese grater and grind up that zest on the cheese grater. Sprinkle it around your garden and it'll help keep the deer out. You're not fully clean until your zest fully clean. And you're not fully deer protected until your zest fully deer protected. <laughs> so so the, the scent of the, the deodorant soap helps defray deer. What about other common pests? Other common pests? Uh, a shotgun works rather well. <laughs> well, that works for some of our I listeners. remember we had a dog that used to get into our garden. This is a horrible story. My dad used to, to fire shotgun shells that were filled with Epsom salt. Mm-hmm. No, they were not. it was not Epsom salt. It was it was rock salt like you use for making ice cream. Or, or for a water softener. Yeah, and he he would fill the shotgun shells with that and fire that instead of the little shot mm-hmm. that's in it. And if it went in, if it hit one of the dogs, it would make them yelp all the way up the road. We're talking, rawr, rawr, rawr. it was pretty pitiful. But it did make them not want to come back into your garden and chew on your cucumbers again. Well, not not advocating any way to be cruel to animals. No, but not at all. It, it what I used to do. Uh, to to keep squirrels away was to use a slingshot with dog kibble. It had no way no way did it harm anybody, but my goodness, did it send them flying? <laughs> 
because you know with, with the same thing with the rock salt or or dog kibble if you use a steel shot then that has enough weight that it gets some you know real momentum going mm-hmm. and can and injure something but something that is light as dog kibble or as light as salt can't get the momentum to to break the skin even when it's propelled very very fast and if it does break the skin with the salt it stings but it doesn't embed enough to kill yeah. It's just a superficial surface wound that it it burns, you know, everybody's got a little salt in a cut before we know how that feels. Mm-hmm. But the the dog thinks twice before coming back into your yard. And so would the raccoon or squirrel or or deer or whatever else is after your your delicious garden. So groundhog groundhogs, yeah. My dad eats those. So aside from having better nourished deer, which I think some people may actually be doing on purpose. It's kind of like that old joke, you know, it's illegal for to bait deer, so this corn is not to be eaten by any deer, and any deer eating the corn will be shot. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, so, you know, aside from feeding your deer, what are some of the, the more personal benefits to having a good garden? Well, I have this aversion to all these preservatives that are in all of our food. And so I think that at least what, what do you me, have against monosodium benzenate dichloride anyway? I mean, really? Have you seen <laughs> the statistics on cancer recently? <laughs> well, I figure everyone's going to live to be a thousand because they're so well preserved from what they're I, eating. I don't believe that it's preserving this. I believe it's causing abnormal cells to grow in our bodies. If you look back generations before at how they ate and how low the cancer rates were. They were eating things that were grown in the garden, that were fresh, that were killed out of the woods. They were they were even going and picking their own mushrooms, which might not be such a good idea in some places or some kinds of mushrooms. But, you know, they were they were going, they were eating fresh. They weren't eating at Arby's. They weren't eating at Wendy's. They were cooking their own meals and they were growing their own vegetables and they were butchering their own cattle and they didn't have all these hormones and preservatives and everything. Or pesticides. Or pesticides. Well, I mean, they had some pesticides. I mean, even my dad used to use seven dust. Okay. The seven dust will break me out in a rash. <laughs> if, you, if you eat something with seven dust on it, it can make you very sick. What it does to me is make me break out in a rash. For years, I thought I was allergic to strawberries because of my dad putting seven dust on them and then me sneaking and eating them in the garden while we were picking them. Mm wasn't washing them right but the the benefits of having a garden are very very many benefits i mean you you get your own fresh vegetables and and you don't have to pay for them you pay for the seeds and you get an abundance of of what you put in back out you you share with your neighbors but you can also put all this away and and store it and and squirrel it away talking about sharing with your neighbors i have a story i had some people i knew up in minnesota were container gardening for the first time and they wanted tomatoes and so they planted 57 tomato plants in containers yikes 57 because they wanted to have enough tomatoes they figured that they'd get one tomato per per plant no, are you kidding me? No, was this the kidding. first time ever planting a tomato yeah. plant? <laughs> Man. Yeah, we had a lot of tomatoes. They had a lot of tomatoes to share. Now, folks, we- I know we're coming. I can hear the music getting started. We're coming up on our commercial break. Uh, stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to talk about crop rotation, what crops are good crops to have for fall and for spring, what can you can expect out of a garden or container gardening, what plants are best for container gardening. All of this and more is going to be coming up in our next segment right here on Ready Radio. You're listening to Doug and Aaron on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town. And now back to Ready Radio with Doug and Aaron. Welcome back, everybody. 
this week we're talking about Earth. And leading in from last segment, we were talking about you know gardening and how to be more connected to the ground. And Aaron was telling us a little bit about you know the advantages to having a garden and what kind of crops you can expect to be planting and what you can get out of a garden year-round. I remember planting the garden with my dad when I was little. It was one of my favorite things to do. He would go out with our yard tractor and turn the, link, the ground over, and there was times when my dad had four or five acres of garden. And we would plant tomatoes and peppers and squash and onions and lettuce and cucumbers and corn and you name it. And we had all this vegetables that would come in, and they would all come in at different times during the summer. The squash would start sometime around late June, early July coming in, and they'd be kind of small at first. I remember my mom frying the squash. It's one of my favorite things on earth was that fried squash. And the tomatoes, you know, we would bring in the tomatoes, and they come in all summer, and sometimes you got a lot, sometimes you got a little, and then you get a lot later. You can fry the green tomatoes. The green tomatoes are almost impossible to find in a grocery store. You can mm-hmm. never find green tomatoes to fry them. You can find those tomatillos that have like the weird peeling yes. around them, but it's not the same. I tried to fry those one time. It's not very good. But you know the green tomatoes you've got, and then your tomatoes, you can can those, and you can freeze them if you do it correctly. Yeah, you know, tomatoes and peppers are usually a good starter plant for people who don't know how to garden they're very forgiving it doesn't take a lot to get them off the ground their their pests are easily identifiable it doesn't take an awful lot to to keep them healthy and so that's one of the the primary container garden items is you know hot and sweet peppers and and tomatoes and that's a great way for people to get into it but there's an awful lot of things that grow really well here in north georgia Mm -hmm. and and, in other areas i know that you're more familiar with further north than here but you know we look at you know watermelons when they're in season they grow fantastically well here pumpkins grow fantastically well here those are a summer crop and a fall crop uh corn grows really well really well here i mean that's wheat doesn't do as hot here as it does in kind of a more northern climate or midwestern climate but my goodness the corn down here takes off like you wouldn't believe well it's like the neighbors up the road but as as i'm going home there's a little country road and and you can look across the cow pasture on the other side of the cow pasture there was this row of corn and the corn the, the stalks of corn were taller than i am mm-hmm. it reminded me of the corn i used to see growing out in the midwest well when i was growing up in the midwest you know we had a saying knee high by the fourth of july but here you you know if it's not five foot tall by the fourth of july you're doing something wrong because the growing season is so much more extended in georgia than in the midwest or, or the pacific northeast where i'm more accustomed to you can plant way earlier I mean, we're talking, you can start planting some of this stuff in late February, early March here. Mm-hmm. If weather permits, you never know about the weather oh, in North Georgia. My my friend Mark lost a huge crop because he got a little bit exuberant in his optimism, you know, to steal a, a phrase from Ben Bernanke. But uh, he planted way early, and we had a, a, a cold snap, and it killed off most of his crops this year. I know that that is a is an issue and so some people you know try to take a little more modest course try to try to try to you know plant more towards mid-may and then have their harvest come in in late june and, and early july and then you can get a second crop in usually before the end of september when the real cold snap hits you can never go wrong following the farmer's almanac on those planting dates the farmer's almanac says oh it's okay to start planting this at this time and that at that time it's usually pretty accurate 
Yeah, and it's a it's a good guide, and there's a lot of people who have invested a lot of time into making those predictions and making you know very reasonable and educated predictions for that publication. But you can find that kind of information all over the internet now. Have you seen is, the 2015 Farmers Almanac? I haven't. It's predicting an awful winter for North Georgia. I I saw that online. I saw that there were there was predictions that colder this than last year and wetter with more snowfall. So while we're discussing this, I want to say people. Prepare your car with blankets, bags of food. Prepare for at least 48 hours of being stranded on Interstate 285. Yeah, last year's any predictive measure, there were half the city was stranded on 285. We don't want any more episodes of The Walking Dead out here on the interstates where nobody can get home, everybody's hungry, and we're wandering around aimlessly. Yes, for sure. And you don't have to live that way. I mean, you can have a kit for your car. True Prep sells a lot of wonderful items that you can put in the <laughs> trunk of your car and keep just in case you're hungry. They have these little bars. And the the whole thing is, is in a vacuum-sealed package, and it's like a daily ration of food. And it's kind of coconutty tasting, a little dry. 2,400 calories for five bucks. You know, I was discussing with one of the clerks at True Prep how awesome they would be if we could dip them in chocolate. She agreed. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I went to Golden Corral for my birthday, and when we were there, they have this chocolate fountain where you can dip all sorts of things in. Yeah, so it's a chocolate fountain of typhoid. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Bring your Daytrex bars over to Golden Corral and just slide them through the chocolate fountain or the caramel fountain or the white chocolate fountain, and then they'd be... A gooey mess. I refused to use the chocolate fountain at Golden Corral because I saw a kid dip bacon in it and fried chicken in it one time. That just ruined it for me. (laughs) You know, but... The look of horror on your face right then. On another note, the pure genius of chocolate bacon. I mean, you got to give the kid credit. They they sell it at the state fair. Chocolate bacon. Chocolate bacon. You know what my favorite fair food is? Because, you know, it's fair time right now. You're a funnel cake guy, aren't you? No, nope, yeah. I am. Take my. I go to the Minnesota State Fair. The oh, you like State, fried butter? <laughs> uh, well, uh, fried cheese curds actually are are really good there. But my favorite thing are Australian batter fried potatoes. Australian batter fried potatoes. They take a uh, a large baking potato and they slice it into planks. So they do, they just slice it vertically all the way through. And so you've got these big slices of a whole potato, about a quarter inch thick. Then they dip it in a basically a, 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 like a beer batter, only without the beer in it. It's kind of a light batter. And then they fry it. And so the batter fries and the potato cooks like a French fry. And when you pull it out, it's crispy and it's got batter on it. And then it's got the gooey kind of soft potato inside. And then they drizzle it with ranch dressing and nacho cheese. Crikey. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> it is absolutely wonderful. It's the best thing I've ever eaten. And they, the, the booth for the Australian batter fried potatoes is right across from the Dairy Association Milk's booth. Beside the cookie booth, then, but, right? Yeah, and they, there is a cookie place right next to that, too. Some entrepreneurial person did cookies and brownies right next to the milk booth. But when I went there, you would get an a uh, eight-ounce glass, and you'd pay 50 cents for it, and you would drink as much milk as you could hold. Just and you were there all day. Just chugging, chugging milk, chugging milk, chugging milk. Now, is it hot there this time of year? It's when? very hot. They're, they hit in the 90s, upper 90s. And, and now we know where they're getting the cheese curds. 
Yeah. <laughs> so they, 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 they bring in this giant tank, refriger- refrigerated tanker truck of milk. Uh-huh. And it's 2% and it's just all you can drink. And so oh. you sit there, you go get your batter fried potatoes, which are salty and greasy and cheesy and ranchy. And then you get your, your milk and you're chugging milk and eating potatoes and, and throw in some chocolate chip cookies for dessert. And life is good at the state fair. And, and this is a place where, you know, all of the county fairs pull together. All of the blue ribbon winners are there and you can walk through the apiary and see the bees and you can walk through and see all the green beans and the canned peppers and the canned mushrooms and all of the stuff that people have done the dried fruits and vegetables and it's amazing it's such it's so wholesome and it's such a wonderful experience and And i I think everyone should be there i just love those canned vegetables you see at the fair everybody says oh you know these are my prod peas they're Mm -hmm. prize peas and it's like they're canned Peas, I can do that at home. I, yeah. I, I do that at home. Well, you know, it's it's not just the art of getting it to seal. It's the 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 spices and the way that you suspend them so that they have flavor and they come mm-hmm. out of the can good and tasty. And you know, I, I know a lot of people have are down on canned vegetables because they're used to cans like they get at Kroger or Publix, where it's you know just bland canned. But you know, when you do canning right, you're not canning; you're cooking. Now you can bland can your vegetables and. A a lot of the older people did that so they could season them come coming out of the cans so they could have different cons you, you didn't have to have all the green beans tasting exactly the same you could season them different ways mm-hmm. and you know it was like my green beans that i canned back a few weeks back i canned some green beans and i cooked them and i was told that they tasted just like they came out of a can well it's because i seasoned them the same way as i do the ones out of the metal can it wasn't because they came out of a metal can Right. Well, folks, we're coming up on a commercial break. Um, when we come back from our, our segment, we'll talk a little bit more about types of crops, what you can expect to plant in, in the fall, and what you can harvest in the winter, especially in this area. Uh, you're listening to Ready Radio on Atlanta's News Talk 1160, the talk of the town. And now back to Ready Radio with Doug and Aaron. Welcome back, folks. We've been talking about Earth today, and part of our elemental series of prepping, we've had water and fire, and today we're talking about Earth. And next week, we'll be talking about wind, which is another important aspect. So uh, we've been talking about gardening. We've been talking a little bit about canning. I got off on a tangent about the Minnesota State Fair. Not you. Which is the, 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 the mecca of true homesteading, survivalist, Love. I mean, there's nothing better than a real, honest to goodness state fair for people to get back to basics and back to what is is what I consider true Americana and what the reason that I love this country is is embodied in a state fair. But um, I think it would be important now to talk a little bit more about about gardening and you know kind of what crops could you expect over a winter period, rather uh, opposed to your you know summer tomatoes and peppers and watermelons. Every fall, my dad would plant. Turnip greens and collards and kale and mustard. S- mustard. I love mustard greens. Who I think that they taste so much better than everything else. Don't they? And put a little bit of apple cider vinegar, just a little bit on top of them. Mmm, so good. Yes. And turnip greens with the turnips actually diced up in them. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. But my dad would plant all that. You can also plant broccoli. Broccoli is a winter crop. Broccoli is a winter crop. I did not know that. It does grow very well in the south in the winter. You don't want to plant that in West Virginia in the winter. It won't grow. What about cauliflower? Cauliflower, spring. Spring? Mm-hmm. 
Cauliflower yeah. is interesting because you can make mashed potatoes out of it. You've mashed cauliflower. Yeah. I mean, it comes up to the consistency of mashed You can potatoes. do the same thing with rutabagas, but they've got a kind of strong, yeah. kind of bitter, like um, Brussels sprouty. Yeah. And I, 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 I would don't, agree. I'm not really fond. Oh, I love Brussels sprouts. When do they grow? Oh, when they shouldn't grow. They're, <laughs> I, don't, I can't answer that question because they're awful and I wouldn't grow them. Oh, I love Brussels I'm assuming sprouts. that because of their kinship to cabbage, that would be a summer thing. Cabbage do real well in the winter here, though. Here, yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's, very locational, I, I believe. The one, the things about Atlanta, especially the Atlanta area. I know a lot of people use cabbage as a decoration for their homes in the fall. I've noticed that cabbage in people's yards. You know, with with my other life, mm-hmm. I, I get to see a lot of homes, and I, I pull up in people's yards, and they've got cabbage growing beside their driveway. Yeah, that was something that I had done back um, a couple of years ago in my home here in Atlanta. I, I grew cabbage around the mailbox, and I, I really I, I thought it was attractive, but it was also useful because, you know, I grew a nice cabbage, and there you go. You got a cabbage. Oh, look, you grew a cabbage. Mm-hmm. And they're That's so where easy. your kids come from, right, that cabbage patch? You got it. Yep, they're, yep. they're just that sweet and innocent, too. Aw, isn't that sweet? So, you know, we've got some root vegetables. Um, what about, like, carrots? I mean, Carrots that... are a summer vegetable. Okay. I need... Carrots are really finicky. Like, if you don't plant them just right, they, they grow very, very small. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're finicky, just weird. Um, I know that some of the heirloom varieties are, are interesting because there are purple carrots and mm-hmm. lots of different varieties. Yep. You have to mound the dirt for carrots. Um, you know how people garden in boxes? Yes. Carrots do really well in these boxes, these elevated boxes where, they, you know, you tear them up. Yep. At the very top, carrots do really well at the very top for some reason. Okay. So it's not a bad thing. Um, we used to do the, the tomatoes in buckets when mm-hmm. I lived in the city. Don't like living in the city, but, you know, you don't always have a, plas- a place to plant. You know, you live in an apartment. What do you do? You can grow some tomatoes. You can grow them in a bucket, but you want to drill holes in the bottom of the bucket. Because if you let that water just sit in there, it has no way to escape. Root rot. Root rot's really bad. Yeah. And, and then every once in a while, you come home to a, a tomato plant that was once thriving and is now completely bare, and you think the deer ate it. <laughs> it's really a hornworm. Yes, or or what some people would just call a plain old caterpillar, because that's what it looks like, a it's great big... tobacco worm. Yep. And then, then the kids want to search the plants for the hornworms every day. Because they're exciting. Yeah. Uh. They're disgusting. They are. Really They're nasty creatures. Green little. Ugh. But that's an, another reason to keep chickens on your property if you're allowed by your local government unit because your chickens will keep the hornworms away. They, they like to attack those insects along with just about anything else that will move for them. If your HOA or covenant community will allow you to have or chickens. Or county board of commissioners for that matter. Yeah, I mean they might just... You can. I know in Cobb County you can apply for one hundred fifty dollars for a permit, but there's no guarantee that you'll get it. Hmm. Where was the chicken man from? Roswell. Roswell. Yeah. Andrew was from Roswell, and I know that our broadcast region reaches over to Roswell, and his story was a very sad story of a personal friend of mine, which I believe I have told before on the show somewhere back in the archives, but. 
Uh, it's 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 amazing what lengths local government will go to in order to prove a point and that they are in control. They're in more control of us than we want to give them credit for. But anyway, you know, we were we were talking about the canning and the gardening. What are the advantages of having a garden in the end of the world? I'm you know saying they're pretty self evident. Mm-hmm. More food, more food, more Happier food for deer. you for everybody. Happier deer, you can shoot them and eat them. You may not be able to get any beef at this point. Where is the beef? It's in your backyard. It's called venison. I prefer cow personally well when the when the world ends you're going to prefer to eat and not care what it is even if it's a hornworm maybe or i can prepare and have cow saved up and then lots of jerky people he's planning to store a lot of jerky how are you going to refrigerate this beef bicycle generator bicycle generator Wow. Hey, I can come up with an answer on the fly. That's Look at me. a whole new kind of, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to have this bicycle generator, and, and, and Doug's going to come over, and he's going to bicycle our meat in, into the next millennium. Well, you know, when I used to teach my preserving class, this was a long time ago, but I said, what if I told you that I had a way that would keep, oh, say, six, 700 pounds of meat keep it from rotting at room temperature for several years, and all it costs is a um, little bit of hay and some water. What would you say? I would say we're buying cows and feeding them hay and water. There you go. I mean, the life is nature's best way of keeping meat from rotting. See, I'm thinking store it in big buckets of salt. You can do that. I mean, there's lots of ways to preserve it, but if you just, you know, have have a head of cow, I wouldn't say cattle at this point because that's kind of hard, but you could have a cow, you could have some goats, you could have some sheep. I love sheep. And then you, when you want some meat, you know, you cut off the five pounds you're going to feed your family and the other 9,500 pounds are going to die and rot, you know. Or you just have somebody One who's cow. really hungry. Well, we could have a beef eating contest. It's, it's the last known cow in the world, and we're gonna slaughter it. You know that where <laughs> cows came from in They're... Europe. In Europe, there were <coughs> excuse me. There was a creature called a giant aurochs, and it was very much like a bison, North American bison, the way it's shaped, only it was a lot bigger. They they started around 3,000 pounds and went up, and the last one was killed in the 1600s. But that was the creature that cows were bred from. And over the next, oh, 700 years, they've been genetically engineered, literally, to be smaller and longer and have longer um, loins and shorter briskets and put more of their energy into making the types of meat that we want. And they are uh, a creation of man. Man has has selectively bred these things to the point where they have become tender and juicy and delectable. And now we have Doug King's endorsement of the week. Beef. Beef. Mm -hmm. It's what's for dinner and lunch today, probably. We never know. Never know. But I, I think that um, having a garden is, is a very 
good idea because it, it not only gives you more food, but it helps to to teach you a skill that can't be taken away from you. If you know how to garden, then it'll be you'll be ready for a lot of diverse situations. And it also uh, teaches responsibility, which is a good thing for children to get involved in. You know, we're going to talk about this for a minute. I'm going to visit this children involved in the garden. We're going to visit my childhood for a moment. As a kid, my dad used to have us out in the garden picking green beans, usually as a punishment. <laughs> and yeah, if I if I got in trouble, that was my punishment. I'm gonna be all day, all day, out all day, weeding the the green bean patch. Just it was lovely. Anyway, one day I was like <laughs> to my dad, "Why can't we just buy our food like normal people?" Mm-hmm. My dad said, "Someday you're gonna be grateful that I taught you how to grow your own food." Like when the world ends. <laughs> I think he was kidding. I'm not really sure. But he was right because here we are in this world where everything's so expensive and we can grow mm-hmm. our own vegetables for way less. And we have the American dollar that's worth almost nil. With lost 85% of his buying power in the last 40 years. Our economy is is collapsing we have massive amounts of debt. We our gross domestic product can barely keep up with the the interest on the debt that we have. There's crazy unemployment rates. Crazy unemployment rates, uh, folks. We're we're coming up on a commercial break, so we're going to have to revisit this when we come back in just a couple of minutes. But stay tuned. We're going to talk more about uh, how gardening can can help improve the soul and the spirit when we come back. You're listening to Ready Radio on Atlanta's News Talk 1160, the Talk of the Town. And now back to Ready Radio with Doug and Aaron. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to Ready Radio with Doug and Aaron. This week we've been talking about Earth as part of our Elements of Prepping series. And we, we've been talking about gardening. And in our last segment, we ended with, with Aaron toiling away in the garden of her youth, trying to pick green beans as a punishment from her father when he, he told her that this would be the, the thing that she was grateful for. And we were discussing how, you know, basically we're living in a world that's uncertain, that, that we're losing buying power, that people's jobs are insecure. And here's a, a useful skill. Here's a skill that can help carry and save the day. Once was punishment. Now is my reward. I'm able to grow my own food and not starve to death in the economy where we can barely buy our own groceries. Exactly. My dad knew it was coming. He knew that someday something would happen and that I would need to be able to have this skill to just provide for not only myself, but my family and possibly other people. Just be grateful he didn't name you Sue because, you know, it's starting to sound a little bit like that Johnny Cash song. I'm a girl, so a girl named Sue would not be that bad. I mean, if he didn't name me like Bill or Pete, maybe there'd be a problem. Of course, if he didn't name me Pete, I could have had a child and named it Re Pete. Bill or Mac or Buddy, any old name but Sue. <laughs> hey, Sue, how do you do? <laughs> You're going to die. <laughs> so, anyways... <laughs> My dad was right, uh, and he would really enjoy hearing me say this today if he was listening. But My dad was right. It was very important for me to learn these skills, not only the cooking, but the canning aspect and, and being able to, to store this food for a, a later date for, for the winter or or the upcoming impending apocalypse that we're all waiting on. I was pretty sure was going to happen the other day. You know, you get a little bit of thunder and lightning. That's the end of it for me, though. <laughs> 
Well, you know, if the zombies come, they won't be attacking your canned food unless you have canned brains, which, you know, thinking about the a while back, we, we heard Scotland trying to break free, and Scotland's an interesting place where they like to have their, their brains and stomachs and all sorts of Haggis. things. Haggis. You know, the, the <laughs> I was really perplexed when the, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom in, in England said, well, why don't we let the Scots just vote on this? Because, you know, everyone knew it would be a horrible, horrible idea if Scotland left the United Kingdom. It was just kind of like a, a, a given thing. And yet here we are with Scotland being like, place of horrible ideas well yeah let's take a, 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 a sheep's brain and, and heart and grind them up and put it into a cow's stomach that's a great idea or or let's this is wear the home of haggis and golf <laughs> let's let's wear let's wear a kilt in the middle of the rainy winter or even i mean let's be honest let's live in scotland scotland's beautiful these are, and, these and are all horrible ideas you know what they wear under the kilts absolutely nothing absolutely nothing so can you imagine that in the winter Talking about built-in air conditioning. Just saying. I love you. I want to go over the product of the week. Okay. Let's let's talk about the product of the week. Our sponsor, True Prep, is a provider of fine kilts. They do not carry (laughs) kilts. Do they? No, but they might might get a tactical kilt in someday with another. You know what? I might just make them one and send it over there and see if they'll try to sell it for me. I I mean, that could be the next big business. Maybe some bagpipe music. It's a skirt for men. (laughs) A cat, our producer, maybe some bagpipe music. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Amazing Grace, because this might be the last time True Prep lets me on that radio show. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the product of the week this week is ball canning supplies. True Prep has a whole selection of uh, ball canning jars and and fruit fresh and anything you can need for your canning expedition this weekend. Well, you know, they they really do have a wide variety and things that you don't normally see, like the the different colors and some of the the um the quilted jars, I don't know what they're called, but they they have kind of that design on the side mm-hmm. for jams and jellies, you know, particularly for gifts, you know, if you're doing a small batch of jams or jellies and you want to give them as a gift, those are really nice and you're not you're not going to find that at just any old Walmart. And as well as having a, a wide selection of the larger jars and and the pressure can and the warm bath canning equipment, all of this in one place is really very handy. Also dry canning. What is dry canning? Dry canning is where you take ball mason jars and oxygen absorbers and you fill the jars with goods and you drop in oxygen absorbers, seal them shut and allow the oxygen absorbers to eat the oxygen and seal the jars. And it's one of the very few places that I know of where you can order oxygen absorbers in in a quantity that's reasonable so that's that's really interesting did i ever tell you that i had a case when i was in law school that we discussed about top quality mason jars no yeah it was really interesting it was a contract case and it was a famous contract case because these this company had ordered a whole bunch of mason jars and they had asked for top quality mason jars to be delivered by such and such date and they were willing to pay x amount and then the while they were waiting for the order to be fulfilled they went bankrupt so they called them up and they're like we're canceling our order. And they're like, you can't cancel your order. It's 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 done. We're shipping it. You're you've got it. There's no out clause in your contract. So they sent them the mason jars, and they rejected the mason jars. Do you know why they rejected the mason jars? Because they were bankrupt. Well, that's the real reason. But what they said was that they were not top quality mason jars. Well, what brand were they? Mason jars. They were not ball. 
Mason. No, they were they were mason jars. Mason mason back before ball existed. This was a hundred and something years ago. And so they went all the way to the Supreme Court of the United States discussing whether they were top quality mason jars or not. And the Supreme Court came back and said, Well look, a mason jar is a mason jar, and as long as it's a mason jar, you're kinda of stuck with it, so you have to pay for it. I'm sorry. And that was, I th- I think that that's kind of interesting because you know they were they were haggling over the quality of the mason jars where mason jars are you know a a kind of um, fungible commodity whether you get your mason jars from you know Walmart or from True Prep or from anywhere a mason jar is a mason jar so what's the important thing well the important thing when you're selecting a place to to spend your money is is it a local store does it have the knowledge and experience is the staff helpful because you know you can get a mason jar anywhere if if it's 10 cents cheaper somewhere else what's to make a difference well the difference is is in supporting a community and being a part of a community and going to a place that has canning classes and that has all of the products in one place and has someone who can lead you around and explain how every Everything works. That's what makes a difference. And it does make a huge difference when you have someone ask the questions. And I know that there's a lot of videos online where you can go self, self-help, self-educational videos. You go online and you can see how to do something. But sometimes there's still questions even after that. You can watch the best instructional videos and there's still unanswered questions there. And the, the folks at True Prep can definitely help you with those questions. And there's nothing like teaching yourself how to make botulism. I mean, that's, that's kind of the danger of the self-help end of pressure canning. I've actually made botulism before. It's pretty cool. What does it look like? It looks like Botox. I had fat lips. Mm-hmm. Oh. Angelina uh-huh. Jolie. <laughs> wow. So, folks, you know, we've, we've got a, a wonderful sponsor here. We'd encourage you to check out their store or go online at www.trueprep.com. Of course, you can always reach out to us here if you have questions or comments or, or just, you know, have something that you'd like to hear discussed on the air. Uh, we're reachable either individually, Doug at readyradio.net, Aaron at readyradio.net, that's E-R-I-N, or you can reach out uh, info at readyradio.net, which goes to our webmaster. If you have any comments about the webpage or things that are going on, visit our webpage, www.readyradio.net, where we have all of our old shows archived. You can also listen to us on iTunes. There's um, the the Twitter feed where we try to give you the interesting news stories that are coming up in, in the prepping world, either homesteading or prepping or just interesting informational tidbits sometimes. Uh, you can also check us out on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. We're going to be having some contests coming up on Facebook where you might be able to get some free products uh, from our, one of our sponsors. All of these things are, are, are you know, growing and, and, and helping us to get more in touch with you and to see you know, what you want to hear on Ready Radio. Uh, we've been really excited this week to, to talk a little bit more about gardening and canning, get back to the earth, which you know, is a, a, a drumbeat that I sound often because I believe in Jeffersonian principles. I think you know, Thomas Jefferson was the, one of our founding fathers who was, the, I think, the greatest of all in our, that generation, a man who understood that you have to be more than just a cog in the wheel, that you have to be an independent person, and that independence breeds you know, a desire to do more and be more and to create and to, to, to sample and live and live fully and, and to enjoy finer things in life, you know, whether it's honey or whether it's wine or whether it's just kicking back with a good book by a roaring fire and, and, or, or, or engaging in the discussion of a salon and, and knowing that, that you have you know, the, the burning topics of the day, something that really excites your passions and gets you motivated. These are the things that I think really help people become more and, and, and to do more and be more, and that's what the focus of Ready Radio is. 
as as we come into you know another glorious weekend, folks. We we appreciate you tuning in and listening to us and 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 your support. You know, we get the emails from people every week, and it really is an encouragement to know that there are people listening. You know, we we thank God that we have this this ability to reach out to people and to to give you you know information and help build into your life and and to touch you in some way so that you realize that you know that you can do more and you don't have to live in fear. There's no reason to to be you know unprepared everything that's out there can can be dealt with we're all working through this together we're all coming together to be more and to be greater so folks thank you for tuning in uh, next week we're going to have another exciting topic right here on, on this station and all of the stations that carry us um, you're listening broadcast to atlanta's news talk 1160 the, the talk of the town if you're listening online we appreciate your patronage and we will be back next week this is ready radio signing off You've been listening to Ready Radio with Doug and Aaron. It's emergency preparedness for everyone. Brought to you by True Prep. For all your prepping needs, visit True Prep online at truprep.com or visit a True Prep store in Roswell or Marietta. Tune in each week as Doug and Aaron get you ready for anything that comes your way. Ready Radio, Saturday mornings at 8, only on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.